I'm Gang, and this is D-O-L-W-2, Episode 5 of The Rite of Sodomy. I'll be reading today from The Rite of Sodomy, Homosexuality and the Roman Catholic Church, Volume 4, pages 806 to 808. In an exclusive interview with the San Francisco Weekly, the plaintiff now living in Oregon, who used the pseudonym Richard, said he was 11 when he met Father Zeman. The new priest was very popular among the young boys, and he took a special interest in him. Said Richard, he said he was delighted when Zeman chose him to be an altar boy. He didn't know he was being groomed for homosex. Richard said that his sexual encounters with Zeman continued even after he graduated from St. John Bosco High School in nearby Bellflower. Even after Richard moved to Oregon, where he married in 1997 and divorced one year later, the two men occasionally met when Richard visited California. Richard said that once Archbishop Mahoney got Los Angeles, he was certain Zeman would move up the ladder. Zeman sent Richard an invitation to attend his formal installation as an auxiliary of Los Angeles. But the young man said he could not bring himself to attend the ceremony. Richard said when he fell upon hard financial times, Bishop Zeman helped him out with payments totaling about $2,000. Some of the checks were drawn from the St. George Fund, George being Zeman's given name. It was one of a number of private and diocesan slush funds to which Zeman had access. When asked by the weekly reporter what he hoped to gain from the lawsuit 19 years after the fact, Richard said he wanted the bishop to face up to what he did, be honest about it, and say he's sorry. Bishop Zeman died on October 22, 2009, without any public apologies. Clerical pederasty at Queen of Angels Seminary. On December 17, 2003, Another civil lawsuit, case number BC307934, was filed by attorneys Raymond Boucher of Beverly Hills and Lawrence Dribon of Stockton in Los Angeles, Superior Court, on behalf of 17 victims of clerical abuse, 15 of who are men. The suit against the Archdiocese of Los Angeles names 28 high-ranking priests including two predatory homosexual auxiliary bishops from the Archdiocese, Bishop Patrick Zeman and retired Bishop Juan Arzuba, who headed the San Gabriel Pastoral Region for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles under Cardinal Mahoney. The pro-pederist record of auxiliary Juan Arzuba is recorded in the lawsuit. Lawyers for the plaintiffs charged that since the 1970s, the Archdiocese of Los Angeles and the Vatican have been aware of Arzuba's sexual improprieties with boys. Arzuba has attracted the favor of pro-homosexual groups like New Ways Ministry and has been a popular figure at pro-homosexual functions and liturgies staged by Carmelite Father Peter Liuzzi director of the Lesbian and Gay Catholics Ministry for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. 
Bishop Azuba actively opposed Proposition 6 on the California ballot that provided for the firing of teachers and other school personnel who openly advocated and promoted homosexual activity. The December 2003 lawsuit exposes a portion of the clerical homosexual underworld operating out of Southern California with tentacles that reach into the American heartland. The lawsuit supports one of the major claims of this book, that clerical pederasts and homosexuals tend to gravitate toward and colonize certain administrative areas in a diocese, diocese specifically the chancery, diocesan major and minor seminaries, and departments connected to liturgy, religious education, canon law, and finances. According to attorneys Boucher and Drivon, unlike Cardinal Law of Boston, who was forced to resign in disgrace for his role in covering up multiple clerical abuse cases, Carl Mahoney was, has managed to survive the legal earthquakes that continue to shake the Archdiocese of Los Angeles because he enjoys the favor and protection of the ruling media and political elite. The 46-page lawsuit describes how Bishop Zeman and Ar Bishop Arzuba, together with 26 area priests, formed a diocesan pederast ring that specialized in corrupt corrupting young men studying for the priesthood. The lawsuit lists nine causes of action. Child sex abuse, negligence, negligent supervision with failure to warn, negligent hiring retention, breach of fiduciary duty, negligent failure to educate, warn, or train plaintiff, negligence per se for statutory violations, premises liability, and sexual battery. What captured this writer's attention were the references to alleged clerical predatory pederasts who served at Our Lady Queen of Angels Seminary, especially Father John Ferris. Father John Ferris taught at the preparatory seminary for the diocesan priesthood during the years that Zeman, Mahoney, Levada, and Moreno were making their way through the system on their way to Ground Zero at St. John's Seminary in Camarillo. The lawsuit alleges, in terms of shaping the makeup and philosophy of the archdiocese toward child molestation in the 1950s, and into the 1960s, perhaps the most significant child molester faculty member of Our Lady Queen of Angels Junior Seminary was Father John Ferris. Father Ferris was among the most popular teachers and spiritual advisors at Our Lady Queen of Angels while rendering spiritual advisement. Ferris sexually molested the young students at the Junior Seminary. During this time period, not uncoincidentally, the attrition rate of students dropping out from the junior seminary was extremely high. During this time, many of the present archbishops and bishops of the Roman Catholic Church in California were dis students at Our Lady Queen of Angels Junior Seminary, including Roger Cardinal Mahoney, Archbishop William Levada, Levada Bishop John Steinbeck, as well as former Bishop of Tucson, Manuel Moreno.
Reverend Jack B. Reverend John Jack B. Ferris was born in Kansas City, Missouri in 1921. He originally began his seminary training for the diocesan priesthood under the Diocese of Kansas City, but in 1942 he entered the Vincentian Order instead. He was ordained by Bishop Charles Helmsing, the newly consecrated Auxiliary Bishop of St. Louis in 1949 and then sent to the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. The Vincentian Fathers, who were brought to the Diocese of Monterey, Los Angeles by Bishop Thaddeus Brucey in the mid-1800s, specialized in the care and education of young boys. They established orphan asylums, educational academies throughout the twin dioceses, and erected St. Vincent's College, Southern California, California's first institution of higher learning. Father Ferris' first assignment was Our Lady Queen of Angels Seminary in San Fernando, the preparatory seminary for adolescent boys studying for the diocesan priesthood. He taught science and served as a spiritual advisor to students, some of whom he allegedly sexually molested. The lawsuit notes that after Ferris left Our Lady Queen of Angels, a number of other predatory priests took his place. In the Ascension obituary written shortly after Ferris's death on June 7, 2003, the editor noted that he, Ferris, would later take great pride in the fact that he taught a young man named Justin Regali. Regali was one of the original Gang of Four. Justin Regali and his Vatican connections. Justin Regali was born in Los Angeles on April 19, 1935, the youngest of seven children, three of whom entered the religious life. A product of Catholic grammar schools in the Los Angeles area, Justin attended two preparatory seminaries, Los Angeles College and Our Lady Queen of Angels before enrolling at St. John's College and St. John's Seminary in Camarillo. While at St. John's, or shortly after his ordination on April 25, 1961, Ferris's star pupil was singled out for immediate advancement up the ecclesiastical ladder. Regali passed the summer of 1961 as a temporary assistant pastor at Ascension and St. Raymond's parishes before leaving for Rome in the fall to study canon law at the Gregg and to prepare for his entrance into the Vatican diplomatic corps. During the Second Vatican Council, Justin Regali served as a priest assistant at St. Peter's Basilica in the summer of 1964 after completing his doctorate in canon law. The up-and-coming Regali returned to the States for the summer and assisted in, at St. Madeline's Parish in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles under James Cardinal McIntyre. Except for an occasional side trip, this would be Regali's last major visit to the United States for 30 years. Once back in Rome, Regali completed his coursework at the Pontifical Ecclesiastical Academy. 
two years later, he received his first foreign posting to the Apostolic Nunciator in Madagascar. The examples of such pederasty, sodomy, and perversion as are mentioned in this book, The Right of Sodomy, Homosexuality in the Roman Catholic Church, and this section of Volume 4 in these pages, 805 to 808, could fill up a thousand or more five-volume works full of this behavior and still not exhaust the extent of this subject. Because once some priests and bishops decide to violate their vows, that proliferates and metastasizes with them, spreading to others until we have such an epidemic of this sexual abuse and other corruption as we have in the church today, to the point that the church isn't a believable counsel very often to other people about their moral lives, since the church's own morality is so decayed and dissolute so much of the time. This is entirely in line with what the devil has been striving for in the church in order to discredit the church and keep many people stuck and wallowing in their immorality. Look at these perverted priests, Satan whispers in people's ears. If that is even how these holy, in quotation marks, dispensers of Eucharist and godly, quotation marks, priests are doing, how can you expect to be any better than they are, not being around sacred and holy objects and practice as much as they are, and what good does all of that do them? Satan takes people's eyes off Christ as much as he can and gets them to focus on these corrupt and perverted priests and ministers too, in order to block Christ from many people's view and the way out of their ensnarement in worldliness, sin, misery, hopelessness, and despair. How would Christianity possibly be proven a failure, in quotes, by the examples of those who don't actually practice it? What do they actually prove about Christianity or Catholicism, Catholicism especially? Would it be sensible to judge athletic events or competitions by those who don't even make the effort to compete in those sports or practice their field of athletics or those in other fields who put forth no sincere or effective effort to practice their respective fields? Instead of judging Catholicism by those who don't actually practice it, how about judging worldliness by those who do actually practice it and contrasting the two? St. Maximilian Kolbe had the joy of the Lord in a Nazi death camp and starvation cell in Auschwitz, where supposedly no joy should be possible. But Howard Hughes, who had billions of dollars and everything that the world says should make one happy, wasn't happy with all of that, but wore Kleenex boxes on his feet for shoes and had broken off needles in his arms from his drug use and died in worse shape than many Skid Row derelicts. Satanism, which is what these pederast priests and bishops actually amount to, says that it believes in strength through joy. But which of these two men, St. Maximilian Kolbe or Howard Hughes, one of those to whom the Satanic Bible was dedicated, was really the strong and joyful person? Many of these supposedly joyful de facto Satanists drank or drugged themselves to death 
or committed suicide in other ways. That doesn't sound very strong or joyful to me. Satan wants to reduce human beings to the level of animals and keeps pushing and maneuvering and scheming to make that happen. That is why he is leading, not forcing, these priests and bishops to break their vows and indulge in sex with young boys and other priests. There is no way to talk nicely and sweetly about these things because these are ugly realities and that is the truth. There is a documentary about a sex club called Plato's Retreat headed by Larry Levinson in New York where married and unmarried straight couples and singles engage in sex. One observer said that these people resembled worms writhing around on mattresses on the floor and stacked and crawling all over each other. And these mattresses were filthy, semen-stained, and crawling with lice. That is what Satan thinks that people are, worms and animals, and leads them into acting like because he hates them and wants to humiliate and ridicule and laugh at them since he resents being told by God that he needed to pay honor to this animal, in quotes. This animalism and orgiasticism is where these priests and ministers would like to lead the church by their example. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Proverbs 14:12. Satanists say that Catholics and other Christians are suckers, and the unthinking herd, in quotes, since they just follow others telling them what is the truth and what is right, instead of thinking for themselves. But those people at Plato's retreat and other people who engage in promiscuous sex and drinking and drugging and other sins, just because, in quotes, everyone is doing it, aren't thinking for themselves either and are the unthinking herd. So it is hypocritical for them to point only at religious people as the herd and suckers when they follow the leader too. Christians need to come to a personal decision to follow Christ and a personal relationship with Christ instead of just going through the motions of going to church because that's what my family has always done, etc. Just going to church out of tradition is what allows mafiosi and these priests and bishops to call themselves Catholics, in quotes, while continuing in their criminal and immoral activities, divorcing and attaching their faith from their actual lives. And now a reading from and now a reading from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Sections nine fourteen through nine fifteen and nine sixteen. The consecrated life, the state of life which is constituted by the profession of the evangelical councils while not entering into the hierarchical structure of the church belongs undeniably to her life and holiness. Evangelical councils, consecrated life. 915, Christ proposes the evangelical councils in their great variety to every disciple the perfection of charity to which all the faithful are called entails for those who 
freely follow the call to consecrated life, the obligation of practicing chastity and celibacy for the sake of the kingdom, poverty, and obedience. It is the profession of these councils within a permanent state of life recognized by the church that characterizes the life consecrated to God. 916. The state of consecrated life is thus one way of experiencing a more intimate consecration rooted in baptism and dedicated totally to God in the consecrated life. Christ's faithful, moved by the Holy Spirit, proposed to follow Christ more nearly to give themselves to God, who is loved above all, and pursuing the perfection of charity in the service of the kingdom to signify and proclaim the glory of the world to come. And that's all I have to read right now were comments I have to make, so I'll end it here. May God bless this podcast, and may the Holy Spirit touch people's hearts with it. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.